0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Hey Rams Nation, this is Cooper Cup, my wife, Anna. Really glad to be coming back to Los Angeles, be here in the long haul. This is just going to be an incredible ride. Can't wait to get back at it. F that cap. FL's <laughs> fix, F that cap. I like it. Started a new one. The Rams <laughs> keep good. finding
0: ways <laughs> to pay the key pieces of the team that led them to their first Super Bowl victory since the greatest show offs in turf in 1999. 22 years later, they are the champs and they're keeping everyone happy. From Matthew Stafford. To Aaron Donald, and now to Super Bowl 56 MVP, asterisk, Cooper Cup, because it should have been Aaron Donald. Sorry, Cooper. Cooper knows it too. Cooper knows it would have been OBJ, and it should have been Aaron Donald, but he's the one with the trophy and whatever else you get to be the Super Bowl MVP. And he now has the contract. Three year, $80 million extension. I still haven't seen the full breakdown. We'll see. We'll see what it really is, because he wasn't, according to him, trying to break the bank, set a new bar, reset the market. We'll see. They didn't do for him what they did for Aaron Donald. For Aaron Donald, they tore up the three remaining years and gave him a three-year deal to replace it at a $40 million raise. With Cup, it's more like a standard deal. They've extended him. I'm waiting to see the full details to really get into exactly what he's going to get or what he's not going to get in comparison to some of the other top receivers because he
1: said himself again yeah he wasn't aspiring to beat them or match them right yeah I mean you're right and and you know I don't expect it to be anything record-breaking I mean that number itself three years 80 million you know there was the reports out there that was maybe it could be what five years 120 I, I, I don't know that confused me either way the three years eighty million. I mean, it's a good chunk of change. For a guy who we know is in the conversation for top receivers in football. You know, I'll say this. I mean, Aaron Donald, you get paid that contract because you're like you're arguably the best defensive player in, in football. As we talked about, you're probably the best player in the history of the franchise and in the conversation for the greatest defensive player ever. You know, Cooper Cup. Even though in the conversation for top receivers in football, this was the first year that we talked about him being that type of in that elite category. Ooh, is he a top five guy? Whoa, his name, let's throw it around there with the Debo Samuels and Jamar Chases and Devontae Adams of the world. So this is the first year he's come on the scene like that as far as being in the conversation there. And I think this is the the right spot, the sweet spot, as far as the money is concerned and what makes sense for him and the Rams. And, you know, it seems just right, really. It does. Yeah, his progression went from
0: being the number two guy behind Robert Woods to being 1A and 1B to last year really taking over to the point where early in the season there was some consternation from Robert Woods. There was some comments about that. Sean McVay did his best glass half full routine to make it look like Robert Woods wasn't upset. And then I think it was the Thursday night game against the Seahawks. They started force feeding Woods the ball to placate him a little bit. And that all continued until Woods tore his ACL in practice on the same day that Odell Beckham signed his contract. And that, that issue ended. And then he was traded after the season to the Titans. But Cup took over the receiver room last year one week at a time. And ultimately, what we saw is a season that was on par with Calvin Johnson in 2012. Even though that extra game helped him pump up catches and yards, it was still one of the great seasons in NFL history
1: for a receiver. It, it, yeah, it was. And and then, as we discussed yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, it, there there is an importance to the offense. You know, the, the the all the option and jerk routes and the thing that hey, the coaches, hey, we need that one receiver we could trust. Cooper Cup's that guy, let alone he developed a special connection with Matthew Stafford. And I think that's probably another reason you could probably look at it and go, hey, that's, you know, I think they found the sweet spot. He, he doesn't need or deserve and, you know, to be the top paid receiver in football. Let's see a little bit more. He was really good. We know that Matthew Stafford and that combination certainly helped him out and took him to another level. It took their whole offense to another level. Uh, we see the more of the talents of McVay and his ability to call more aggressive down the field passing plays, and we got to see all that Cooper Cup had to deliver because you know again, no disrespect to Jared Goff, he just had a quarterback in Matthew Stafford who can do everything and it just opened up the field, the playbook, and everything in that way, and we got to really see what cooper cup's all about and hey i mean i don't know what you feel mike i don't know if I look at him as going he's a top two or three receiver, but I think he's in that top five conversation for some certainly top eight in there somewhere in there but hell of a player and uh very important to what they do on that side of the ball the question that i think
0: is becoming more and more relevant to the receiver position is if you remove the guy who currently that's right star in that system how hard would it be to replace him what would the drop off be a good way to do to alan robinson if for some reason Cooper Cup wasn't available to play this year, I'm not going to put the jinx on him by saying because he's injured. But for some reason, if Cooper Cup wasn't available to play, does Allen Robinson become Cooper Cup? Are there other guys out there that you can find? Can you draft somebody to become your next Cooper Cup? How special is the skill set in relation to how hard will it be to replace the skill set with someone else? So I think that's why the Titans traded A.J. Brown. Yeah, I hear you. They thought we'll get – we'll get Trayvon Burks and he'll come in and he'll he'll get it done and we'll see it's the great experiment that may go a long way toward convincing other teams that that when the time comes to give the huge money to a receiver the cost dollar for dollar for the next guy on the depth chart the next guy you go find draft trade free agent whatever is it more sensible to do that. we know that that's how teams view their players. They are all interchangeable parts in a machine. They eventually will be changed out for other parts. It's just a question of when, how many years until we have to change this part for a replacement? How much does this part cost? How much will the next part cost? That's how they view it. I don't like it because it dehumanizes the players, but that's what they do in the broader structure of a football team. The players become jigsaw puzzle pieces And so the Rams decide to keep Cooper Cup, reward Cooper Cup. And it gets back to what we said two days ago, Chris. It's fine as long as you have players that you can count on to replace your high-priced players, any of them. And not just the high-priced players, other starters. It doesn't just have to be Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford getting injured, and then, all oh, next man up right. is a guy who was a sixth-round rookie. It's any of your starters because you can't afford to have a middle class that is receiving anything more than the minimum salary for one, two, three years in the league because all those backup positions, and I haven't done a full dive into the Rams roster, but I would suspect that at most of the positions other than starter – it's a bunch of guys where you're like, mm, I don't know if he's got young guys and journeymen. I don't know. Yeah,
1: Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you're, you're exactly right. And that's, that's what, Hey, it's the amazing thing about the Rams because we've really been saying this for what three years now. And they seem to somehow kind of dodge the bullet. Uh, and again, I think that's, I got to give credit to McVeigh there. He seems to have the right feel for how hard to push them, practice them, workouts, whatever that combination. He's found that, but Hey, that, that's the game they're playing. It's it's high-stakes p- uh, poker. There's no doubt about it. And, yes, I mean, uh, one or two injuries, it doesn't matter where it's at. It's trouble. We kind of saw that in the Super Bowl a little bit. We started getting into the no-name territory. Wait, who's this tight end? Who's this guy receiving, re- playing receiver out here? So they, they have, like, flirted with that, and that's, that's where they are right now, certainly. But they got some star players. They play a game where it's just, hey, McVeigh coaches them. They're sound. We play tough football, and they expect in the big games these star players to come through and make big-time plays, and they've done that for the most part, especially last year and Cooper Cup being one of them. And I think you explained it right with the receiver thing. they got to find the right balance there, of these teams, and Cooper Cup, he's got a little bit of that. He's got, you know, you can't trust anybody to do that job. That, that's what I'll say about that. Even though he might not be quite as physically gifted as a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase or a Debo Samuel, where you can just go line up outside, whoever covers you one-on-one, they're screwed over, and you'll win all day long. He's not far from that, but his value to the scheme in McVay, I think, is really, to your point, that's the part that they probably went... That's not easy to find this guy. The guy that has size and strength, because Cooper Cup's a bigger guy, quickness of a Wes Welker or a Julian Edelman, and the smarts of those type of guys as well to be able to read coverages and never make the wrong cuts, that's where he really does have value. And, you know, the, they had to pony up some money to make sure he's a part of that offense. Another guy that I think deserves some credit for the fact that the Rams have been able to pull off
0: this balancing act where they've got high priced starters that chew up a lot of the cap so they're backfilled when needed with guys who are young and inexperienced and maybe not nearly as good as they need to be. Reggie Scott, the trainer, because we don't have that rash of injuries. No doubt. Where down goes this guy, down goes that guy, down goes that guy. Oh, crap, the Rams are dealing with what we see so many other teams deal with. And I always have that that little blip ready – to land on a radar screen when a team has too many injuries is it bad luck or is there something going on yes right with flexibility strength their techniques their diet whatever because we see it all the time guys get pretzled up in all sorts of weird formations of their bodies and they pop right up and they're fine and it's amazing when you see it happen but at some level that is a product of sound cutting edge effective strength nutrition flexibility training
1: of those players a hundred percent I think that's really one of the keys to their football team and that's where you know you're, you're saying all right the training staff the weight room the weight staff that group there you know and then I think their correlation or talk with McVay again the communication we talk about a lot with the Rams I think is kind of special there to where yes they seem to when they do have injured players you know, they don't rush them back. They seem to always kind of find the right way to get them back on the football field. And there's obviously a way with veteran star players that you're kind of thin where they have found that right way. Hey, like like the day. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you the day that two weeks before the Super Bowl, I'm there. And, you know, they hadn't practiced yet. It was a Tuesday, right? Two weeks before the Super Bowl. You know, that day there they came in for some meetings and the day was gonna be about get a legit like weight workout in. We're gonna like really lift some weights and get some sweat going and build some muscle up here in our week off. And then the next day they were gonna come in and not work out and have quick meetings, but just go out on the field and kind of have a walkthrough and throw some balls to the receivers and do that. So that's to me the magic of the Rams and McVeigh and having that feel for what the players need and want to be successful. And at the other end of the spectrum, I think back to
0: 2018, hard knocks, Cleveland Browns, one of the more compelling scenes that we have witnessed from that series, because really most of the best scenes end up on the cutting room floor because the teams recognize probably not the best idea (laughs) to let the world see this. It was Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley in this dysfunctional debate where, Hugh Jackson eventually had to play the I'm the head coach, it's my bus, I drive the bus card on how extensively they were going to use their veteran players in training camp. Were they going to give them time off? Were you going to get them ready? What do you do? How do you strike that balance? And just the fact that it turned into a debate on the fly in the meeting room, that's stuff that you figure out before you even get to camp. That's stuff that's baked into how you run your team. You're not having those debates, or at least the functional programs should not be having those debates during training camp coaching meetings. You already know. You have it planned, and there's a quality of deference to the coach that isn't dictated, it's earned. Exactly. The coach sets the agenda, the agenda works, and everybody else goes along with it because it works. Because he showed us it works, right. That's right, and you've hired a group of people who understand you got to defer to the coach and you don't have that crap go on. That is so reflective of why the team has been. I mean, we've had some recent examples, one that's still ongoing that we'll talk about later about why the Browns are so damn dysfunctional and they can't get out of their own way. But that was a prime example of why this team was one in 16, 0 and 17, whatever the yeah, one in 15, Oh, and 16. I'm already screwed up with the 17th game. But when you see that and you compare it to the Rams, the Rams don't have those issues. The Rams know exactly what they're going to do. They have a plan. Everybody's on the same page. And there is so much value in that. You don't think about that. You think about what you see on TV I when know, you watch the game. Right. Having everybody on the same page with a plan that works, that is implemented seamlessly, it's the do-your-job mindset. But there isn't that dictatorial component
1: exactly. that Joe Belichick has. Right, and right. it works.
0: Bottom line is it
1: works. Bottom line is it works. Bottom line is it's detailed. You know you know, maybe not everything like New England or whatever, but it's detailed for sure you know you're right. there is one voice they all buy in to the guy McVeigh, they know that it's a you know tried and true system and and the way things are done there that are special, and he's got a coaching staff that understands that too yes i mean i I think and then there's also the connection there of where I think this is where really the, the teams on the next level all have it, and that's, hey, Patriots, Ravens, uh, uh, of course, the Rams, the 49ers, the Buccaneers got it right now for sure, where I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs, where I feel like there's no uh, Buffalo Bills. I, I know I'm leaving a few teams out, but everybody's getting the point here. Teams where... There's no – we don't feel like – you don't know. You don't feel like there's a civil war in the building by any stretch of the imagination. You feel like the front office and the coaching staff are on the same page and, uh, there's a plan and they understand the communication that it takes to, oh, wait, we got to address this position or what do you like at this position? What kind of player are you looking for? So I can study and, and show you a bunch of guys just like that. That to me is why, you know, some of these teams that we continue to talk about on a yearly basis are who they are because of the things you're discussing and, and I think the connection throughout the organization. At the core, a spirit of
0: cooperation the lack of that basic dysfunction, a coach and a GM who are joined at the hip, not ready to blame the other guy for everything that goes wrong. There's always going to be some adversity. The Rams had a three game losing streak point last year. The Titans and Grable
1: and AJ Brown and all that. They went
0: in and kicked their ass on a Sunday night. Yeah. Right. And then they, they had that, that game against the 49ers and Odo Beckham's debut. That was kind of clunky. Yes. Right. And, 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 you know, it, 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 and so, when that happens, it's all the more important to have everybody on the same page. We're yeah. sticking to our plan, and it will all work out. Because there are some teams out there, when you have that three game losing streak, they fall apart. Because you got people saying, God, you know, what? You know, the general manager, I mean. Yeah, right. Or, or, uh, or the general manager whispering into the yeah, ear of the, co- exactly. of the owner right. that the coach, the coach keeps screwing up. Exactly, right. Because right. right. everybody's trying to stake out territory for when the crap hits the fan. Right. And so. I'm staying, he goes, because it's his fault, not mine. You don't have that with the best teams. And that's why there are people in the league, and we've talked about this before, I believe, who are convinced there are only 10 teams at any given time you have to worry about. Yeah, right. The others are just there. Right. There are 10 teams. And and it changes. It changes. And there there are teams that enter and teams that exit. But there are a nucleus of teams that know what the hell they're doing And everybody else is just acting like
1: they know what they're doing. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. And and also, I think added on on top of that of the knowledge and actually know what they're doing, I think the other phase of that, and we've discussed this too, is there's only a few teams to me that really all at the end of the day, you know, push it all in the middle of the pile and go, we're going for it. This year, everything, here we go. We expect Super Bowl. Uh, you discuss this a lot and you bring it up, but I think it's very true. I think, you know, not, not all teams do that. I think they might put a big portion of the pile in and they go playoffs will be good. But wait, I don't know if we're going to push that other part in there that could make us a hair vulnerable, but we're going for it. Uh, I think those are few and far between, and I think you know the teams we're discussing are the ones that are kind of all in right now because, yeah, they, they have all the pieces of the formula, and then, of course, the players to match it to be able to go, all right, let's do it. Let's make that extra move or let's do this right here because the time is now. They all say they want to win the
0: Super Bowl every year. A handful can say it truthfully. The rest are just trying to get you to renew your season tickets. I mean, it's that simple. <laughs> And all they want to do is contend into December. Let's stay in contention. That's why there was no pushback from anyone. When they expanded the playoff field to 14, nobody complained at all because you stay in contention even longer when there are more seats at the postseason table. Remember, we were at the scouting combine that year and yeah. we were asking the coaches about it and they all we were it. all in they favor. All we were all like, supported. "Why?"
1: I mean, why? I mean, yes. Yeah,
0: that's the ultimate litmus test. Yeah. Did you make the playoffs to determine whether or not your job is safe? Not many coaches who make the playoffs get fired. It's happened, but not many do, because that's your pass fail. Did you make the playoffs? Well, the more playoff spots available, then I got a better chance to save my job. And those are just some of the organizational and human issues that drive these teams. And there are some teams that have it figured out, and most teams, frankly. Do not, and that's what makes it hard for the fans of those teams because until you get a new owner, it's not going to change. And look, look, the Broncos fans have to be thrilled. Now, they don't know what they're going to get. I know I'm deviating, but I will get back to the point here, but I just want to say this. The Broncos fans have been dealing with, since winning Super Bowl 50, which I think is the aberration, because it was Peyton Manning fueled. Once Peyton Manning was gone, look where they were. Why were they there? They haven't had an owner. John Elway— Managed, the best thing he did as the head of football operations in Denver was to get Peyton Manning to come to town. Because once he was there, that was basically like having the owner. You got the sheriff. So as long as he's there, you're going to be good. He's a guy that can make a team move from the category of they don't know what the hell they're doing into consistent contender. Once he's gone, it's been five, six years of they don't know what the hell they're doing because they didn't have an owner. Now they have a new owner, and we'll see what happens. But that, that's where it all starts. That's why I'm making that point. Yeah, so, I think you're you know, right. Say what you will about Stan Kroenke as a man of integrity for what he did to the folks in St. Louis. The guy is willing to, to cut the checks. Moves, no doubt. The right. guy is willing right. to borrow from his super yacht maintenance fund to take care of his most prized assets on his football team. Not every mm-hmm. owner does that even
1: though there are plenty of other owners that have more than enough money to do it if they wanted to. No, you're right. Not every owner can do that. Not every owner, you know, one of the things, I think the things that's a little bit of the dirty little quiet secret of the NFL, a little is not every owner has the cash on hand to throw out some of these contracts you know on a one year basis or this money's guaranteed for this year with four other players and holy crap we got 110 million guaranteed between three guys this year that I got to pay them cold hard cash or the signing bonuses that go with it that's the other part that you know, plays into this for sure. But I think you're right, Mike. I mean, it does start with the owner. And I think with some of the teams that we mentioned there and the teams that we talked about that are kind of the main stage right now in the NFL, I think they all got that in common, too. And and you're right. And for the most part, to that and to another point you make, owners that seem to be around, not like always gone. Not that they're there every day, but they're hovering around the not, franchise. Not like – Live in Manhattan when their team's in Miami. Exactly. That's that's what I mean. They're around. Not that they're there every day, but they're, your pre, their presence is felt. You Oh, they might walk in today. We don't know. Whatever. To me, there's definitely value in that as well. One more thing about
0: the Broncos. And again, I apologize in advance to Courtney for deviating from our scheduled date. But we always have some play in the joints. As it relates to the Broncos, you don't have to worry about money because Rob Walton, is one of the richest men in the world, and he becomes walking through the door by far the richest NFL owner. The richest one is David Tepper at like sixteen billion ish. Rob Walton's up near seventy Whoa, billion. With I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, so he can write other those owners checks. Are peasants? How dare they? He can <laughs> he can write those checks, and he all he has to do is follow the family template because his cousin is married to Stan Kroenke. So Broncos fans have to be feeling pretty good about it here's the example and this isn't on the rundown either and i i didn't think to say we should put it on there the the thing we added yesterday to the reporting on the broncos sale and this is 100 percent true people are like why the hell would he do this but this is what happened josh harris who owns the new jersey devils and the philadelphia 76ers was willing to pay five billion right for the broncos saw that, right. that's that's exactly why i was saying it's going to start with a five because harris was ready to put five on the table but and i don't know how this works when you're talking about a high level sports auction. He wanted to know from the Broncos if I put five on the table, am I getting the team? Yeah. I'm only putting five on the table if five buys me the team. But they don't do that, that right? That's it. He couldn't he, they wouldn't give them that assurance. They do it you know, blind. Get, well, they don't well but still at the end of the day, they do whatever the hell they want to do. Right? If I if I'm trying to sell my house, I can play whatever game I want. In trying to get the best offer that I can. And that happens all the time. Yeah. Whatever it is you're trying to sell. Right. And and now they've got a trust that is operating for the benefit of the Pat Bolin heirs. And they have fiduciary duties, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what rules would bind them. The goal is to get the best offer that you can. If you have a guy who's bidding on the team who says, I'm only putting five on the table if five gets me the team... But you're committed to this auction process. What do you do? Because what would have happened? The reason I'm saying this. Yeah, right. Josh Harris knew if he put five on the table, Rob Walton was going to put 5-1. And if Josh Harris put 5-2 on the table, Rob Walton was going to put 5-3. He was just going to bid it up and bid it up and bid it up And because Rob Walton's got it. Yeah. He was going to keep putting it. And so, Broncos fans, you should be feeling pretty good. You have an owner who is just going to keep throwing money on the pile because, number one, he wants the team, and number two, he clearly wants the team to be successful. And the, and, and the people are like, well, why wouldn't Josh Harris just put his $5 billion on the team and force Rob Walton to pay more? Because Josh Harris still has his eye on buying a team. Why, why drive up artificially the final price of the Broncos when if you may be buying the right. next team that's available? Yeah. Right? So yeah. the highest price is four six five That's it. When it's time to buy another team... Maybe you do get it for five. If you put five on the table now and the Broncos got for 5-1, you're paying more than 5-1, pretty good chance for the next team that's available. So that's yeah, why he ultimately didn't do it. So yeah. the point is Broncos fans should be feeling good because maybe on one of these future shows we're going to be talking about how the Broncos are paying this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy
1: to hold a Super Bowl championship team together like the Rams are. No doubt. It, that's it's big time. That really is. And, again, we've seen some teams throughout history when you have these type of owners – they win. You know, you can go to the Cowboys of the 90s, th- that would fit the mold. Jerry wasn't afraid to cut checks and had big-time money. You can go to the 49ers of the 80s and and DeBartolo. Uh, there there was no salary cap then. The 49ers were paying their team more than the other players. It, it was like baseball. And he had the cold hard cash to make everybody happy and do it that way. So we've seen teams that have played it that way or had that type of owner and of course we're seeing one right now with the Rams that Yes, money does count. It definitely does, especially cash on hand because we've discussed whether it's the Raiders with Khalil Mack or me back in the day with the Broncos, sometimes teams don't have the cash right there on hand to pay the player right away or give him the start of his contract. And that plays a part in, oh, wait, I'm a player. I don't want to sign with you since you can't write me the check right now. And that affects the way the team's built for sure. Or or, or your dad – with the Cleveland Browns, Brown, right? Exactly right. Going there and they and then, oh, wait, they looked through their books and they went, oh, crap, we're broke. Uh, call <laughs> call 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 the moving vans. We got to go to Baltimore soon. <laughs> and he ended up not going there. So exactly right. It's a it's a major factor that I don't think fans sometimes quite realize. I don't think I realized until really a f- number of years after I got I'd done playing and had these conversations with coaches and front office people. We just
0: assume that all the NFL owners are so ridiculously rich they can do whatever they want. Not all are so cash-rich, liquid, that they can can say, here's this giant pile of money any day of the year. You know, the Buccaneers still don't give out significant signing bonuses with off-season cash flow. They wait till the money comes in from the league office, from TV and ticket revenue. Right, right. Yes. They, they don't they either uh, they choose to or they can't
1: in the offseason dig deep for big millions of dollars for signing bonus. No doubt, Mike. It's it's funny you're bringing this up and I had kind of forgotten about this, but yeah, if, if I Oh, mm, uh, no, you know what? This was Tennessee. I'm wrong about this. The Tennessee Titans did something like that a little bit to your point where I believe, and I might be off on a few details here, but I'm, I'm on the right path here, where during the season, I got like 66 or 75% of my contract. right? And got the money. And then at some point in the off season, when the cash came in from the league and all the revenue, like you're talking about, then you got the other 25 or 33% of your money in a lump sum check there. So that again, explains your point and certainly a real thing in the NFL. You said
0: something there that I think if we worked on a little bit, fashioned the language, just, just a touch to make it, resonate it'd be good for your tombstone yeah I may be off on a few details but I'm on the right path (laughs) although by the time we put it on your tombstone you're already you're already at the destination (laughs) Uh, maybe it's more of a t-shirt slogan (laughs) yeah yeah let's let's go with the (laughs) t-shirt
1: another guy who
0: got paid the first guy who got paid even though he's one of the newest arrivals for the LA Rams Matthew Stafford not throwing in the offseason because of an elbow issue he got an anti-inflammatory shot. Not that long ago, he was asked recently whether he'll be throwing when training camp begins because he's not throwing now.
1: Here he is. You do expect to throw in training camp? Yeah, de- definitely. Um, you know, I'm I'm progressing kind of into that and through that at the moment, so I'm just trying to make sure that we're smart, but at the same time, be, you know. Um, you know, as ready to go as I can possibly be come day one when we're out there throwing the ball around. You know, as I'm progressing, you know, personally, um, you know, through my program, kind of getting ready to go, um, I'll be around the guys. We'll be fine in time. You know, it's a great thing about being in Southern California. Everybody wants to be here anyways. So uh, it'll be great to be able to get out there and get some work with some of those guys.
0: Yeah, look, it's not a huge concern, but it's a concern. Yeah. You'd like your quarterback to be able to throw the football
1: four months removed from the last football game. That was played. No doubt. I, I mean, it, I mean, again, it, I'm not I, I think you said it right. Like, I'm not like overly concerned, but I'm I'm sitting there going, damn, we're sitting here in June and we, we still can't throw the football. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little worried. I mean, that yeah, not that I'm worried, like I just to me worry that like, OK, we start training camp and here it is a little like last year where he's battling tendinitis in the elbow and some issues there. You know, he had a number of issues that he dealt with physically last year. And I think, you know, we kind of saw those kind of come to a head when he went through some of the rough parts of the season there. You know, his arm was tired because he was beat up, had the tendonitis in the elbow, think he had a bad finger, you know, had something with his foot and ankle. Um, so all of that was a little concerning. But man, anytime I hear about a quarterback that's, you know, like you said, we're four months removing the Super Bowl, and we're still not quite throwing the football. Yeah, I, I worry a little bit. I'm not going to say I'm like on red alert, code red territory yet, but certainly perked up. Going, damn, I, I'd be a little nervous and squirmy if I was in the Rams organization. Elbow a fairly important, very piece of the of the broader
0: apparatus that is utilized in the throwing of the football. And you think about the force that his arm utilizes and harnesses to throw the football the way that he does. And even if it gets to the point where everything's fine by the time they go to camp, there has to be, there has to be a question about whether or not it will hold up as we get into the season. What was the root cause? What is it that made That's the big thing the, the elbow and right. still maybe making the elbow become irritated. I've had tendinitis in various parts of my body. I used to get patella tendinitis when I played basketball because we'd play on concrete or sure. carpet on top of concrete or whatever. Right. And it it just it doesn't go away. Yeah. It just doesn't want to go away. And, and and here he is with this issue. And I think back to Terry Bradshaw. Not that not, – because I don't know what, what the specific diagnosis is for Matthew Stafford. They haven't told us what it is other than maybe tendinitis. But remember Bradshaw – well, you were like in diapers then. No,
1: ago. but I know the story. Bradshaw had a little, yeah.
0: little minor elbow right. surgery. He checked into the Shreveport Hospital under the name Thomas Brady in March of 1983. Fixed everything's fine, good to go. Not good to go. Played one more game for the Steelers in his career, and he was 35 at the time. Oh, Matthew Stafford's 34. Yeah, now I know. I know that nah. 40 years removed, 35 is kind of like you know twenty eight but but still, there's an issue that clearly is impeding Matthew Stafford right now, and they obviously hope that this shot and the passage of time and whatever rehab and training he's getting will get him ready to go, and we have no reason to think it won't, other than the fact that the issue is there, yeah, other than the fact that he can't throw now. that's our only piece of evidence to be concerned about his ability to throw the football for 17 regular season games and whatever many playoff games they end up playing in.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. And especially the guy that's a, it's a big, he's a big arm quarterback. I mean, he is, that's what makes him special. He made a ton of huge throws in the Super Bowl, huge throws in the NFC championship game, bomb off his back foot against the Buccaneers versus the bliss to win that one. I mean, his arm is, it's his moneymaker maker. I mean, it's special. That's why he's. You know, been in the Chris Sims top ten for the last two years. You know, it, it's it's he can throw lasers, sidearm. He puts a lot of pressure on that elbow. You know, like this right there? It's all to your point, hinged on the elbow with those type of throws. And like this guy throws more sidearm, awkward delivery throws. Is just about as much as anybody in football. He's up there with Mahomes and Josh Allen that way. Let alone he's doing this right here. Oh, let me run to the left and throw a post sixty-five yards back the other way. So he puts a lot of pressure on that. And, yes, you know, he's a guy that's been beat up throughout his career, playing on some crappy Lions teams. He's played tough. I do, you know, like that's where I worry about him. Is it? Is it the wear and tear of everything and, you know, tendinitis and things like that you discussed with your knee and all that. Yeah, it's usually from wear and tear, banging your leg on the concrete, playing, t- you know, basketball all the time. And all of a sudden, some muscle shuts off a little bit. Now another muscle has to work hard and the joints compromise and all that. Hey, that happens at quarterback with your arm, too. I've had ten tendonitis. You take a few hits in the ribs or in the armpit or whatever, and all of a sudden, something's not working right. And all of a sudden, the elbow's doing double time, and you're going, damn, I can't grip the football. It hurts. We've seen a lot of great quarterbacks through it. Remember, Brett Favre had a deal with it one year where he was fighting through it the whole year. So that's where I just I worry about it, and I worry about him. And they got to make sure they take it slow in training camp and make sure they get that thing slowly back in shape and ready to go so we can throw 150 balls in a day and not be worried or bothered by it.
0: Well, it definitely is something to put on the radar screen if you're a Rams fan at a time when everything seems to be going well. We just have to wait and see about Matthew Stafford. And the other quarterbacks on the roster currently are John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. I, I look at it this way. I don't know. They, they liked Wolford enough to bench Jared Goff for him in the playoffs right. 2020. Yeah. So, presumably McVeigh. Believes in Wolford sufficiently. I think so to let him play if Matthew Stafford can't. But they didn't make any moves. Not that there's a bunch of quarterbacks out there that they could even begin to afford. This is one of the examples, one of the tangible examples. When you're paying all these guys, it's not like you can go out and get yourself a ten million dollar a year backup.
1: You're right. You're right. You gotta you gotta go with John Wolford. You gotta go with the guy that you developed. Yeah, exactly right. You develop. You've taught him the offense, and yeah, he's not as talented, but we think he can at least run the offense, and then. I, Sean McVay, will find a few tricks to make him a little bit better than what he actually is. Yeah, you're right. That's what they have to do. It's what they got to do with a lot of positions on their football team if the injuries hit, And to your point that you made earlier. We cross the country in the snap of our fingers from
0: Los Angeles to Baltimore where the 2019 NFL MVP continues to be absent from the offseason program. Oh, yes, Lamar, we are going to talk about you. I know you would like us to talk about something else, and we do, and we have, and we will. But for now, Lamar Jackson is the centerpiece of the discussion because a mandatory minicamp is looming for the Baltimore Ravens. John Harbaugh, coach of the team, addressing yesterday with reporters whether he expects Lamar to be there. Here it is. I expect him to be here at mandatory minicamp. You know, he's uh, uh, – I know he's working hard. You know, Lamar Jackson's a hard worker, so I'm not worried about how hard He's working. Fully expect him to come back in great shape. You know, that's what he talks about. And uh, I'm sure he's throwing. I'm sure he's doing a good job. And when he gets back here, we'll, we'll be rolling with Lamar. You know, right now we roll with the guys we got. And when he gets here, he'll merge right in with everybody. And we'll go to work with Lamar. If you listen to that carefully, the picture that John Harbaugh is very delicately painting with Im- implicit messages They don't know what the hell's going on with Lamar Jackson. They don't know if he's in shape. They don't know what he's doing. He says he is. We'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out like the rest of you do. We don't know what the hell is up with Lamar Jackson. Isn't that amazing? And that's amazing. And I know, hey, look, if somebody decides to carve off a clip of the show and put it on social media and it goes kind of semi-viral among NFL circles and it lands on Lamar's screen, he's going to get all pissed off. Look, Lamar, this is your fault. You have created this wedge that no one can understand between yourself and the team. You won't say why you're not there. You won't say why you won't take their money. You clearly won't take their money. This is unprecedented. This game is all about establishing yourself to the point where you get generational wealth. Then you've arrived. And everything after that is house money. Everything after that is gravy. And of all the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, with the exception maybe of Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson is the guy who should be taking the money that the team is trying to give him because of the way he plays the position. And yet it's crickets, not just for us.
1: Yeah, for them from but all the it's to Obviously account. for them yeah. too. Right.
0: I can't I I I don't know what advice he's getting. I don't know whether he's ignoring good advice or getting bad advice or no advice. And get mad at us all you want, Lamar. We have your best interest at heart. I don't know who the hell else does other than the members of the Ravens because they have their own best interest at heart, and their best interests are have Lamar Jackson with the team as long as possible. But the reason we talk about this, the reason this is a topic, the reason it's a story is because it is so unusual to the point of, Chris, literally unprecedented.
1: Yeah, unprecedented. I mean, it is. It's crazy. It really is. And and again it's the guy that's the best player on their team, the leader of the team who has great effect on their football team. Uh, is up there with anybody in the sport as far as like his ability to, you know, rally the locker room, guys love him, he's kind of like an urban legend and hey, we got Lamar, we can win today. I mean, he has that effect. And 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 it is. It's it's, you know, it what I think is funny is kind of like what you're saying is it doesn't sound like they have a definitive answer. Like they don't know. You know, I think you, oh, hey, he'll be here at mandatory minicamp. We talked to him. Yeah, he'll be here. Like they don't know. You're right. And then, you know, the crazy thing is here too is I hear people on TV going, well, he shouldn't step on the field until they pay him like Mahomes. They're trying to pay him like Mahomes. So what do you do then? What, what's your answer to that, other people on TV? They're trying to pay him on like that, but he won't engage in the conversation. So then where do you place the blame after that now? It has to go back to Lamar again. The team is trying to appeal to him and the city and everybody to make it work. And he won't. That's where it's weird. And then I hear people on TV say, hey, he shouldn't show They're trying to literally back up the truck and go, here's cash for the rest of your life. Boom. Like, here's a ton of it. And he won't take it, but then, therefore, they're being penalized by him not being there. That's where it's just weird. It doesn't make sense. And, again, yeah, we're rooting for Lamar. And he has every right not to be there. I get that, but I don't necessarily think that's the best thing for him or the Ravens.
0: I see three explanations for what's going on. And, Lamar, feel free to clarify at any point which of these three is the truth. One, he wants out of Baltimore. Now, he's already pushed back against that. But that doesn't mean it's the truth. People push back against things all the time because they want to keep the truth revealed. One, he wants out of Baltimore. Two, he wants a non-negotiable offer, meaning he doesn't want to have to negotiate. We touched on this a few weeks ago. He wants them to give him Deshaun Watson money plus something, make him the highest paid player in the NFL without him having to go back and forth. I shouldn't have to engage you. You should just come to me with an offer that is obviously the biggest contract any player has ever gotten. And you can explain to me how it is, and if it all makes sense, I'll sign it. I don't want to negotiate with you. That's explanation two. Number three, he doesn't know what he wants. So he's just buying time. Those are the only three I can think of. Maybe there are others. Anybody out there that has another explanation for what Lamar Jackson is thinking, let me know at ProFootballTalk on Twitter or Florio at ProFootballTalk.com. But that's it. Either he wants out, or he wants them to back up the truck and dump more money than they have ever dumped on anyone ever before in league history without him having to ask for more that makes or no three. sense right he's just he's just buying time he just bu- it does make sense to me that hey i want to represent myself but i don't want to negotiate cuz i really don't know how to negotiate but i want to represent myself cuz i don't want to pay somebody to negotiate for me i don't want to give somebody a percentage so It should be good enough that I'm Lamar Jackson and you just offer me the best contract in NFL history. See, he's not engaging them because he doesn't want to engage them. He shouldn't have to engage them. That may be his mindset. They should just offer to make me out of the gates the highest paid player in league history, and until they do, I'm not talking. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. One of the three. He wants out. He wants an easy and quick and supreme contract, or he doesn't know what he
1: wants. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're right. I mean, and again, all right. So then, like, let, let's go down that road. Do you think that, like, he's worthy of being that guy of going, like, okay, just give me, uh, just make me the highest-paid quarterback in the history of football, and we'll be done with it. Like, does does he have the right to say that? In your opinion, what what are your thoughts there?
0: Well, again, it's not just where the cap is. I know the cap is going. Yeah. So every guy, and we're we're slipping back into that old model of whoever is up next becomes the highest paid quarterback. But if we're gonna do tiers,
1: yeah, this guy's in that that. tier. Yeah.
0: This guy's in the tier where it should be. You know, the hands working their way up the baseball bat. That's what it should be. Yeah. If he's in that highest tier, and he still is. So the question is how long will he stay in that highest tier? What protections will be there for the Ravens in the event that the wheels come off? of Lamar Jackson and he can't run like he did and he hasn't developed as a pocket passer and now he's not in the top tier. That's their risk. If they give him a huge contract, but Hey, who's one of the guys who complained publicly about the Deshaun Watson contract? Who's one of the owners who was one of the first owners to complain publicly yeah. about the Deshaun Watson. That was the- Bashati was guaranteed. Contract? It was Steve. Bishotti, yeah. Right. Because you know what, if Lamar Jackson really is just sitting and waiting for the Ravens to give him the best contract ever, it starts with five years, $230 million fully guaranteed. Because nothing they put on the table is going to be better than Deshaun Watson. And for all those other quarterbacks out there who play at a really high level and don't have 24 lawsuits pending against them. And who knows how many more to come and all this other dysfunction and turmoil. Of course, they have every right to sit back and cross their arms and say, sorry, not good enough. The guy with 24 sexual misconduct lawsuits has got 230 over five fully guaranteed. If he can get that, we're not even starting the conversation until we get there for me. So, yeah, that's why Steve Bishotti was the guy who complained, because the moment that happened his life got a lot more expensive as it relates to what he's going to have to put into escrow on whatever contract
1: they give to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that would scare me. I don't don't think I could give Lamar Jackson, as much as I love him, and I have loved him since he came out, I could not give him five years, $230 guaranteed. Yeah, because there's no
0: guarantee he's going to be able to play for five years. Exactly.
1: It's just too risky. And I know as a guy, he's been Superman. I mean, he's the man it still would scare me with the style of football he plays, let alone style of football, you know, maybe going to wear down a little bit. I I think you could legitimately say that he he wasn't running 4-3 flat this year. It was maybe 4-3-5. Still really fast, but do I think he lost a hair of a step? Yes, I do. Okay. And then, yes, for a guy that is not overly big, You know, it's not a thick human being. You know, again, I I think if people saw, like, Patrick Mahomes in person, they'd go, damn, yeah, he's 6'3", but holy crap, he's got, you know, some shoulders and legs and butt to him. Josh Allen, yeah, he plays a dangerous style of football, but Josh Allen's built like a huge middle linebacker. It's a different guy, and... We know with Mahomes and Allen, there's no questions either about them in the pocket and making throws and decisions and doing all the right things. Like if their athletic ability goes away, we know they're still going to be top-notch in that department. I think those are things that with Lamar, it's good, it's better than people give him credit for and everything there in that direction, but he's not at their level in that department. And then I think when you weigh the risk factor and the wear-down factor, that would scare the absolute store high in transit for me of paying him $230 million guaranteed in five years. And, and
0: and that's the key because they would want to construct this. So for the world, it would be the biggest contract ever given to any NFL player, but there would be outs after two years, three years yes. in the event I think that he yeah. is dipping. And the Deshaun Watson contract prevents that from happening. I think we have talked our way through the weeds here to kind of get to where we may be. They know that they're only going to get his attention if they show up with their bottom line. The best, they're not going to be able to yeah. negotiate to their bottom line, and they don't want to show up with their bottom line because the bottom line is they don't want to give him $230 million or more fully guaranteed over five years because of how he plays the position. By the way, by the way, yeah, the way that you explained his story the, the Patrick Mahomes thickness. It reminded me of the children's song. And maybe we should revise the children's song from head, shoulders, knees, and toes to head, shoulders, legs, and butt. Or maybe that's the way your mom sang it to you, which explains <laughs> why you are an aficionado
1: of the football player legs and butt. <laughs> yep. No, Dirty Diana did not sing that song to me. She was not a <laughs> singer. So that didn't happen. No lullabies that way. No, I'm, I'm that way. I am that way because I'm I'm it's Phil. It's where the
0: base. It's the base. It's, it's the base. The, it's the, the reservoir Phil of son. strength.
1: Exactly, Phil Sims. He pointed it out to me at an early age, and I used to be always like, "Man, Dad, why are you why are you worried about your legs? Why are you lifting your legs so much?" And he, you know. Why do you get your your pecs and your biceps bigger? And, and that's when he started to explain to me. You know, Christopher, look look at Reggie White, look at Lawrence Taylor. What do they got? You know, then that's how I started to go. Damn, you're right, Dad. Okay, all right. You you, you changed my mind on that one. It still is amazing. We had to take a break, but it still is amazing
0: in hindsight that your dad survived for as many years as he did, playing on. Green cement at at the old Meadowlands, at Veterans Stadium. I know. Pretty much everywhere there was artificial turf. It was green cement getting hammered Hammered. under the rules that were in play at the time by some of the best
1: defensive players we've ever seen. Yeah, and played for a coach that was like just just – Hang in there. Just stand there. <laughs> just stand there a little. You're going to get hit, but you know, so what? Just, just hang in there. That was the coach he had too. So, it was it was a double whammy and yeah, that's why I'll have a lot of respect for Big Phil forever because he is a tough SOB, Irish pub fighter, caveman that survived all that. I don't know how he did it. Legs and butt. Legs that's and how butt, he did it. No doubt.
0: All right. Uh <laughs> l- let's take a break. Um I have no idea how to transition to the T's. The bottom line is uh, there were some headlines made yesterday unrelated to football by a defensive coordinator who uh, apparently ended up getting asked some questions based upon a post that we wrote the other day. We'll try to make sense of all of it when PFT Live continues right after this.